Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On NBA. On today's show, after a tough overtime loss to the Spurs, the Lakers are 0-3. We'll talk about what the issue is in L.A. And then we'll recap some exciting games from Monday night before looking ahead to Tuesday night's matchups in the NBA. Thank you so much for listening and for subscribing. Now let's get to the show. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On NBA, your daily podcast covering all things NBA, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm a credentialed writer covering the NBA for Fansided. You can find me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. And I'm David Romillo, credentialed NBA writer who covers the league at large for Fansided. You can follow me and my writing on Twitter at DRomill13. It was a big night in the NBA Monday with nine games, including two overtime fillers in Portland and Los Angeles. So let's start in Southern California, where the Lakers lost to the Spurs 143 to 142, big score, David. LeBron James was clutch at the end of regulation, hitting a game-tying three from Steph Curry range to send the game to OT, but then in the final seconds, after being intentionally fouled while up one, LeBron went to the line with a chance to put up the Lakers, put the Lakers up by three with 12 seconds left, but missed both free throws, so instead of being up three, they were up by just that one point. And then Patty Mills got off a long two with seven seconds left to give the Spurs the lead and then the win. So another tough loss for the Lakers, who now fall to 0-3 on the season, including a tough 0-2 at home at Staples. Is this something we can chalk up to the team just being young, not only in age, but just being young, having not played together for a long time? Or are these issues deeper, David? Well, I think the two are actually tied together, to be honest with you. I think the deeper issues is the fact that this is a young team that hasn't played together very well. And you've got your potentially your best young player, Brandon Ingram, serving a suspension there. You've got your starting point guard, Rajon Rondo, out also due to spitting on another player in the NBA. And uh, I think as a result, you're going to have some some problems with chemistry issues. You're not going to know exactly. Somebody has to step up. Uh, they did get some contributions from guys off the bench that you wouldn't normally count on um, to provide some quality minutes there. So I, I think it's a combination of different things. But, you know, I was never too bullish on the Lakers and their chances of being a strong team. I think they're still going to be good enough and maybe potentially make a race, uh, you know, a, a run at a low seed playoff spot. They'll probably get into some kind of window in January, February, right before the All-Star break, where all of a sudden things are clicking because of the way LeBron James plays, and you'll run off maybe 10 wins in, out of the 11 or 12 games because that's just the way LeBron does things. There's there's a time when the, the cream rises to the crop, and, and, and he is the ultimate player in the NBA, and so I think he'll get everybody else to play at a higher level than they're used to playing. And But I just think that last, you can't look at the three games and say, well, this is you know, the death knell for this team. I don't think it's quite that bad yet. I think it's just expectations needed to be managed as far as whether or not you thought they were going to go into the season kicking ass and taking names and already going off on an eight, nine game win streak when, you know, they haven't even played together. And, and you know, obviously with LeBron, everything changes as far as how they approach their on-the-court chemistry. And this is not out of the norm for LeBron when he joined a new Absolutely. team. When he joined the Heat, they started 0-2, 0-3, in 2010, and then uh, same thing happened in Cleveland. So this is just sort of how it goes. I mean, the LeBron effect is real. When LeBron James enters your locker room and he steps onto the court as part of the five guys that you're playing with, everything changes for that team. And the Lakers, yeah, they're a young team. They were a young team last year. They're a young team this year. Um, and so they are still just trying to figure out the NBA period. 
not not even you know we're not even talking about NBA plus LeBron and now that's what they have to do and look I I, I don't want to I think that the young player thing is a little overblown because they're getting nice contributions from these guys I mean Kyle Kuzma went out there and scored 37 points on 25 shots last night uh, Josh Lonzo Hart Ball, looked really good Josh Hart, Hart 20 points in 39 minutes uh, um, just behind Kuzma and LeBron as far as team high in minutes and uh, and Lonzo Ball played really well. For in you know replacing Rajon Rondo in that starting lineup, he had 14 points, six rebounds, six assists, and had a big three pointer at the end uh, there to keep the game close. And um, you know I think Lonzo is probably a better option. He's just he's a better player right now, and he looks to be playing better um, than when Rondo's in there at point guard. So hmm. I, I think about that, that I'm not sure that it's a young player thing. I just think it's the fact that there's there's the chemistry issues that are there for LeBron. James led teams just start you know to start new eras uh, of basketball when you have LeBron in your, in your organization, and then the other thing is plus you just you take all that and then you layer on top of it the fact that they are playing an extreme version of basketball where they're number one in pace. They're you know they're they're line they're, they're they play basketball like it's hockey. I mean the their line changes are frequent and mm-hmm. you know and every few minutes you have a new substitution. And then oftentimes you have JaVale McGee in there who played 28 minutes last night, but they'll pull the goalie and just take JaVale McGee out and play with five wings. And so you've got this new extreme version of basketball that you're also trying to figure out because, you know, yeah, you've had these small ball teams in the past. Nobody's nobody's done it to the extent that the Lakers are trying to do it right now and quite frankly have done it for the first three games. There's a lot of things happening there. I think you're overlooking the biggest fact, though, that's that LeBron just lacks the clutch gene. Oh, geez. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, well, isn't that the there. argument right it's look it's ridiculous i've got to bring it up just because so many people are discussing it you know in in, in context of you know kobe bryant and the shadow that hangs over that organization for whatever reason um you know lebron's failure to hit two free throws in waning moments of a game that doesn't really matter really kind of sticks out there but again you wouldn't get to this point without lebron he did so much in that game he hits the three-pointer as you pointed out he he, he kept Look, the Spurs, I don't know if you were able to catch the game, but the Spurs yeah. were on fire to start off that game. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable. They hit like 10 of their first 11 shots. They were they were scorching from three-point range. Rudy Gay was knocking down threes. Uh, Brent Forbes was, was shooting lights out. I mean, these are the kind of contributions you don't expect will happen on occasional day. And I think that's the bigger point here is if you're looking at and why the game was lost, it's because they were allowing these many points in the first place. If they had even a modicum of actual defense, if they were capable of playing defense at even a decent level, they probably would be 2-1 and one at the very least. I think it's just those defensive inefficiencies that are kind of leading to this record, and I think it's going to be a continuing problem going forward. I yeah, you can't, you, you can't give up 40 points to any team in the first quarter. And right. and and that that's too deep of a hole to dig yourself out of. And even if you could score 142 points in the game plus plus overtime, but uh, look, the, I think the defensive issues are very real. I think there's rotation issues that they've got to figure out, um, especially when you get Rondo and Ingram back. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I the the KCP experiment hasn't gone very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not the defender Shout that he sort of has sports. a sort of Shout out Clutch Sports. He has doesn't have that reputation that. He had a reputation in Detroit as being a defensive stopper, and he just that I think there was one year where he had a good defensive year. It just hasn't really been that ever since then. JaVale McGee is their only semblance of rim protection. They had yeah. Jonathan Williams, a guy from a 23-year-old out of Gonzaga, got big minutes in overtime and actually had a couple of nice blocks and did 
a, a really nice job, I thought, for them, but you're not going to be yeah. able to rely on him. Um, and well, he JaVale fouled out, and they were some ticky-tech fouls that they called yeah. against McGee. Like, I'm not a huge JaVale fan, and I don't know that he doesn't provide. I know he doesn't provide what the Lakers need as far as a, a, a center is concerned. But, man, it, it was unfair. From the, some but if he plays, if he's going to play almost 30 minutes a game, you can almost expect him to foul out. Regardless oh, not a doubt. Tech fouls. Like, that's kind not of not his thing. Right. So they've got some defensive issues that they're going to have to figure out. They're not going to be able to put up 140 points a game. And even if they yeah. do, it's not enough to win, obviously, because they're 0-3 right now. So um, defensively, they're going to have to figure some things out. Because like, I was I was more bullish on the Lakers than you were going into the season. We talked about it a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you look smarter than I do because I don't know that you're going to be able to win a whole lot of games with that sort of defense. They're, again, they're going to have to figure something out. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, is, well, is it as simple as trade. picking up a backup center just to make sure that there's some rim protection on the on the floor at all times? Is that well? It, could it yeah, be that? They brought simple? Zubats in there, and yeah. he looked really out of place. He picked up like three fouls in like a minute or two of play. It was ridiculous. Yeah, five five personal fouls in five minutes. That's, that's a good ratio right there. Yeah, that's um, not what you want to do. Not yeah, ideal. I, I don't know. I, I think there's just a, a, the roster is not constructed well, and, and you were going to have problems trying to get everybody to mesh alongside LeBron. You don't want to dig too deep of a hole over the course of a season because although you expect LeBron to eventually be able to pick up his team, and I do, and I think everybody does, yeah. it may not be enough in the Western Conference to actually contend for a, a playoff spot. I'm still positive on the Lakers. I'm still holding out hope. I'm still optimistic. I think that eventually you got to move to a lineup where Lonzo Ball is really the only true guard on the floor. You take mm-hmm. out KCP, maybe put mm-hmm. Kuzma, McGee, LeBron, and and Brandon Ingram in there along with Lonzo Ball, and then you got a lot of length at least. If it's not a bunch of defensive talent, because young players aren't typically very good on defense, yeah, Lonzo's um, having some issues. Yeah, I don't know. Like Lonzo, that shot to Patty Mills there, I, I, you could have put yeah. that blame almost squarely on Lonzo's shoulders. He was just out of place completely. He had some nice possessions too. Again, yeah. I'm, I'm still holding out hope. Uh, we had another overtime game in Portland on Monday night. We'll talk about that next. And then get to some takeaways from the other games from last night. But first, Locked on NFL is becoming a favorite daily NFL podcast. On Mondays, we have the local experts on the biggest stories of the week. And on Tuesdays, former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels joins host Matt Williamson will have some of the best voices in football on throughout the week before making his picks on Friday. So if you're looking for daily NFL content, subscribe to Locked on NFL on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And you know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking us for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week or or tonight in NBA basketball. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win. David, I don't think you know who's going to win. Uh, we try to think that we know who's going to win, but if you think that you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with, and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to our listeners that's at least been good to me that's why i'm urging you to make your way to my bookie you win they pay they have in-game live betting the most rewarding player perks in the business and for you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game i mean this weekend i saw that the vikings were uh, only like three and a half point favorites over the new york jets 
I told my buddy, use my bookie, use this promo code that I'm about to tell you guys about, and bet on the Vikings. That's free money. And guess what? The Vikings won like 27 to 10 or something like that. They blew out the Jets. Of course they did. The Jets suck. Uh, join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code locked on to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's my bookie. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus, and then always bet against the Jets. You play, you win, you get paid. We've got three games tonight, and we'll tell you about what we're watching for later on. But let's wrap up last night's action really quick. Let's start in Portland, David, where the Trailblazers lost to the Wizards 125-124 to in overtime. Again, two OT thrillers last night. This game was a lot of fun to watch. Um, Nick Stauskas hitting a three-pointer with 12 seconds left gave uh, Portland a three-point lead up 111-108. to Then Beal went down to the other end, hit a three to tie the game. And then Lillard's go-ahead layup gets blocked uh, So at the end of regulation. So that sends the game into overtime. And then again, John Wall, with nine seconds left, a pull-up two-pointer to give the Wizards a 125-121 to lead. Lillard's layup in the final second of overtime is also blocked. So two, layup, uh, or two layups blocked for Damian Lillard in the final seconds of regulation and then in overtime. Wizards end up winning the game. Really exciting game. Um, to me, David, the thing that stuck out, these are two teams, Washington and Portland, who whose teams revolve around their backcourt. They're two guards, right? Obviously, in Washington, you've got John Wall and Bradley yeah. Beal. And then in Portland, sure. you've got Lillard and McCollum. And it's kind of like these teams win when that third guy steps up. You know, yeah. that's kind of the key for them. And for, for Washington, Markeith Morris stepped up, 28 points, 9 rebounds, hit 6 of his 10 three-pointers. He was the third guy that stepped up. For Portland, they didn't have that third guy to the extent that the Wizards did. Nick Stauskas, 15 points. He's been a revelation this season for some reason. Um, but didn't really have that guy that was consistently there for the whole game. And I think that's why Washington won. Well, that and the fact that Dwight Howard's out. So this is all a mirage. And the Wizards will eventually crumble back down to earth once he's inserted into the lineup <laughs> again. So, I, look, Howard's going to throw things off considerably. I think you look at Washington, they've been pretty good. They lost a tight one to a Miami team that played some pretty solid defense against the Wizards. I think that's a, you look at that roster and if you can get some consistent production out of Otto Porter and if you can get some good play out of Morris, like, you know, obviously he led the Wizards with 28 points. That's pretty impressive. Jan Mahimi isn't a starting quality center, but he's just good enough and he's not going to be the, well, he's not going to be as problematic as Howard is. So I like Washington, but I know that once Dwight comes back, it's going to throw everything off. So it doesn't really matter anyway. But in this game, I mean, can we talk about Nick Stauskas for a second? Because Stauskas Castillo, he's, he's <laughs> Stauskas Castillo has been he's in the he's got to be top five for most improved player in the league. I mean, comes out in the first game of the season against the Lakers and puts up a scorching twenty four points on five of eight three pointers. Then he comes wow. back against the Spurs in the next game has three points, not a big deal. And then comes back against Washington with fifteen points. Is Sas Castillo the third star that Portland has been looking for? No. <laughs> uh, I think it's you're just looking at two teams that are struggling defensively in Portland and the Lakers, obviously. We talked about the mm. Lakers before. Portland's defense, I think, was a bit of a mirage. They were pretty good or solid defensively last season. That was a strange point of emphasis for them, and it was their offense that was struggling for most of the season. I think they've kind of flipped the switch a little bit, focused more on trying to outscore people and not necessarily defend them as well, and that's where he can contribute as a, as a good shooter off the bench. So I, I'm curious to see whether or not it's sustainable or if it just might you know vary on a night-to-night basis depending on who matches up with him. 
Yeah, this was Washington's first win in the season, so I'm not overreacting with Washington. But again, it just sort of drives home the point that both of those teams, Washington and Portland, need that third guy to step up, and that's how they're going to win games because you only, you just expect their two guards to just produce on a nightly basis. That's how you, that's how they just stay in the game. To win the right. game, they need that third con- uh, contributor. And you're right about Dwight Howard when it comes to Washington. You're going to have to feed him so much that his usage rate is going to be inflated, and that's going to mm-hmm. take chances away from guys like Markeith Morris and even Otto Porter Jr. So I'm worried a little bit about that um, when he comes back from his butt injury. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what that looks There's like. There's a line back. for you. Let's, <laughs> let's get back uh, to a few other games. Orlando beating hmm. Boston 93-90. to Jonathan Isaac has looked really good this season, and especially in that game against the Celtics. He put, 18, he put up 18 points, 12 rebounds. He had a big pull-up two-pointer um, for a, a, and with 55 seconds left to, to stretch yeah. Orlando's lead and then had the game-clinching rebound. Uh, you've, you've been close to the magic, David. Jonathan Isaac, they're excited about him. Have you liked what you've seen from him? Absolutely. Look, look, he's you know in his second year. He was really shaky during his rookie campaign. Obviously, he was battling through some nagging injuries, and you know it was a bad team that where they couldn't really use his skill set. But I think with Clifford's emphasis on defense, Steve Clifford, you know, joining the team mm-hmm. for in his first year there, I think he's looked really, really sharp. And I was curious to see how that lineup with Aaron Gordon and Mo Bamba and Nick Vucevic would be able to incorporate a guy like Isaac, but he's been really, really impressive. And his defense is his bread and butter, but he's looked much more comfortable offensively. That shot that you pointed out that that with 55 seconds left, really, really good shot. He, He, you know, took a step in. The defender sagged off of him. He was really patient, you know, sidestepped and, and stepped into the three-point line, hit a nice, comfortable mid-range shot, nothing but net. Very, very good stuff. And it's the kind of polish that I don't think he had. I think, you know, it's a, a little bit of a trope there as far as letting the game come to him and slowing things down. But you kind of start to see it with Isaac. He's really shown much more patience. And I, I would, I'm betting high on, on Jonathan yeah. Isaac because I think he could be an all-star in a couple of seasons. He was in, he was one of my favorite prospects when he came out a couple of years ago. And, and when he was being drafted, this is a guy who was getting compared coming out of FSU to guys like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant and Giannis. Yeah. And that's because that he length. flashed that scoring potential at that size. He is really fluid for his size. Um, I love what we're seeing from Jonathan Isaac. And you, I'm glad you pointed that out about Steve Clifford. Has found a way to use basically a bunch of guys who are probably probably best suited as small ball fives or traditional fives in today's NBA, and has figured out a way to play two or even three of them at a time. And uh, the Magic, look, look, they're two and two. They have the same record as Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I don't expect that to hold up, but they look good this year. They, they look pretty good, even though they do have a point differential of... They have a really bad point differential, one of the worst. They have the a really bad point guard, but... too. DJ Augustin, you know, leading the team isn't Yikes. exactly... It's not going to get you into the playoffs, let's say. Now, do you look and, at that game and say this is a matter of Orlando playing really good defensively or Boston just having a bad shooting night? Because I know Celtics fans yeah. would probably think it's the latter. Well, you know, it's hard to shoot over really tall guys. And we've seen this in almost <laughs> every point. Magic game. And yeah. I, I think that matters. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? The Celtics right. did miss two threes in the final seconds that could have tied the game. One, I think, just bounced off the front of the rim. You could argue you make that three, the, the Magic lose, and we're not talking about the Magic as positively as we are right now. But I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, okay. let's, let's move on. We've got a couple more games that I want to hit really quick before we just kind of recap the scores. New York and Milwaukee. The Bucks beating the Knicks 124-113. to Giannis... 31 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, and helped put the game away in the fourth quarter. He was clutch in that final period. Um, after the Knicks rallied in the third quarter, they had a 35-17 third quarter. 
Um, but Giannis hit his first three of the season after a kickout from Eric Bledsoe. Uh, Giannis hit it from the corner. Again, 31 points. Chris Middleton added 30 points yes. for the Bucks. But Giannis, one of those early front runners um, for MVP, he's got the Bucks 3-0. and They look really good right now, especially in Mike Budenholder's scheme where Giannis is the center of that universe. Uh, a lot of work in the post, a lot of stuff like that. He looks great so far. It certainly helps his cost to be in the Eastern Conference where mm. they, they can win 50-plus games this year. If that's the case, with his level of production, he's probably as shooting as, as the MVP. I think there's too many good players and too many good teams in the Western Conference where that race kind of winnows out a little bit. It dilutes itself. You know, We've got two potential MVP candidates on the same team and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. It's hard to find a clear favorite, but in the Eastern Conference... Giannis certainly stands out, I think. Even with Boston's depth, that doesn't seem like any one player is going to stand out as far as their overall production. I just can't see anybody that's going to stand out even more than Giannis is. Uh, I want to talk about all these games, but we just don't have the time. There's too many basketball games on last night. The Raptors beat the Hornets 127-106. to Kawhi puts up 22 points. Lowry, 16 points, 14 assists. A season high for him. Toronto's defense looks great. The Hornets' They're offense amazing. has been awesome all year. The Raptors tamed that offense. Uh Charlotte only shot 42% um, from the field last night. So that Raptors right now, obviously top team in the East. Um, I don't think I, that goes without saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now let's move uh, on. Yeah. Timberwolves Pacers. The Timberwolves beat Indiana 101 to 91. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, 17 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, we've got action Dallas and Chicago. The Mavericks beat the Bulls 115 to 109. Zach Levine having a, Flame, fire year so far this season. 34 points um, for Chicago, but they lost. Um, that's you know that's going to be par for the course for Chicago this season. The Grizzlies beat the Jazz 92-84. to The Grizzlies 2-1 and right now. The Jazz 1-2, and struggling on defense. Um, Marcus Saul had 18 points and 13 rebounds. Rudy Gobert, 11 points and 12 rebounds. Battle of the centers last night uh, over there. And then to wrap it up, the Warriors beat the Suns 123-103. to no one was surprised there. Steph Curry, 29 points. T.J. Warren, high score for Phoenix with 27 points. T.J. Warren, quietly a three-point shooter this season. Who knew? Yeah, um, I want to walk back some of my comments from last week, too, because DeAndre Ayton does look pretty good. Still not competing for a playoff spot, but not a bad team in Phoenix. Yeah, Luka Doncic looks really good, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do it. Uh, let's look ahead to tonight's games first, but uh, I want to tell you what's going on. On Twitter, we have created the ultimate NBA Twitter feed. It's called Locked On NBA Net at Locked On NBA Net, and it has all of the Locked On local experts on one feed. Every team is covered, every local angle uncovered. It is the ultimate Twitter follow for the NBA fan. Local experts on every team on one Twitter feed. How could you beat that? Follow at Locked On NBA Net for the ultimate NBA Twitter experience. Tonight's schedule is light, especially compared to that nine game marathon. Uh, last night, David, but has some interesting matchups, so let's get right into those and what we expect. We'll start with Philadelphia at Detroit. The, the 76ers are 2-1. The Pistons, solid 2-0 so far. Uh, that mm. game will be on se- at 7 Eastern on NBA TV. What are you looking for from that? Dwayne Casey, coach of the year. No, um, <laughs> I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Blake Griffin. I know that you've been particularly impressed. Yeah. Uh, he's shooting 75% on three-point attempts, and I think... We've seen this evolution come for some time, even though it was unlimited attempts. But he's been spacing the floor more and more over the course of his career as he continues to battle through injuries. Reggie Jackson is back, and he's healthy. 
And then there's the matchup of the centers. I think Joel yeah. Embiid versus Andre Drummond. Uh, that's a lot to to load. You know, that's a that's a a lot to handle there. But it's mm. an interesting matchup. I want to see if Detroit's a legit team. To be honest with you, I I don't buy it necessarily. I think Casey is injecting some kind of not necessarily mojo or anything like that. But I think you know you bring a new coach in, you know, players get a little bit more excited. And I think Blake's health more than anything else has been the difference maker. But I want yeah. to see if this is a legitimate team. I got a chance to see Blake in person in Chicago over the weekend, and uh, he looks really healthy. And we were talking about this before we started recording. You know, you're right. There's one injury here or there, and that can sort of derail a season. But he looks really confident. He looks just like he's in great shape. Um, And I think going into, you know, having that training camp, getting to go into uh, this season, really being part of that Detroit Pistons um, you know, or just having been a part of the Pistons last season after getting traded there midway through the season, I think it's going to help him. That three-point percentage, he's not going to have that all year, but he's shooting it with confidence, and he's shooting it from deep. Like he's shooting deep threes, and I think that's going to—I think it's a real thing if he's shooting it with confidence. At least spaces the floor next when he's next to Drummond. And as far as Reggie Jackson, um, I don't know if it helps them that he's healthy, but they are playing him and Ish Smith together a little bit more, and that lineup's been good for them. Um, so I think Dwayne Case has been doing a good job so far. It's only been two games. Uh, L.A. Clippers at New Orleans. That's going to be at 8 o'clock tonight. You could get that on NBA League Pass. Um, Gallinari back in action, and uh, the Pelicans are looking really good. Anthony Davis, all, we talked about Giannis as an MVP favorite. Anthony Davis is right there right now. That's a good point. Uh, who would have predicted that New Orleans would have the best offense in the league thus far? Look, it's obviously very early on. You imagine things will stabilize a little bit, but they've been really potent, mm-hmm. although... Nikola Mirotic leading the NBA in scoring at 33 points per game. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, we talk about like Carl Anthony Towns and, and Nikola Jokic when it comes to the best offensive centers in the league, and we we tend to forget about we tend to overlook Anthony Davis what he's able to do offensively. I think just because of how good he is defensively, he's a, he was a defensive player that your favorite going into the season, and for good reason. I mean, you can make an argument he's the best defensive center and he's the best offensive center in the game, and I think you would be right if you made that argument. Uh, last game of the night, Sacramento in Denver. Uh, the Kings? The Kings? Second best offense in the league? What's going on with Sacramento? I don't know. To be honest with you, I can't quite place it. I think, <laughs> I, I think you know, people are kind of not necessarily taking them very seriously. They kind of run up to score a little bit. De'Aaron Fox looks good. Looks really good. Uh, yeah, Bagley has been okay, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I think you're getting some good contributions from him. Young players, they're excited. Uh, they're playing with a lot of energy. They're one and two, so I don't want to overreact. Is uh, it Denver, sustainable? No, it's not. But De'Aaron Fox, I think, is is a legit point guard. I think he was overshadowed by a lot of the other point guards in last year, all the other scoring guards in last year's draft. I think the Kings have a real one with De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Denver, meanwhile, 3-0. and They look great. That defense looks amazing. Nikola Jokic is playing out of his mind, and I expect them to continue that um, uh, tonight. I think Denver goes to 4-0 against Sacramento. Um, all right, well, unless there's anything else, I think that's all we have for today. Any any lingering thoughts? No, look, I, I you know what? Overall, I just think it's been amazing fun. Like, I know it sounds crazy, and maybe for you and I, who who cover the league as extensively as we do, maybe we're supposed to feel this way. But I I just kind of get the sense 
that almost every game has had some point of intrigue, whether it's an unexpected player or a rookie rising or something like that. Even what you you would look at like the Dallas-Chicago matchup on Monday night and you could say to yourself, well, that's not really too exciting. Neither of these teams really complaining for a playoff spot. But then you get Zach Levine all of a sudden being this explosive scorer and Luka Doncic having a great season so far. I mean, every game has had something exciting to it, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that's that's a good thing to kind of consider. Even when you're watching Sacramento get beat, you know, and, and the Mile right. High City, I, I think you're going to look at some players like De'Aaron Fox and go, you know what, he's a star in the making. And at first glance, tonight's three games don't. It, there's no Lakers playing tonight, right? Boston's not on tonight. Like you don't have the Warriors aren't on tonight, but you've got maybe the three most interesting centers in the league playing tonight between Joel Embiid. Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. I mean, that's a lot to like. Um, good point. With just three Very games tonight. So that's all we have for today. You can subscribe to Locked On NBA on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We'll be back here next Tuesday. You can find us on Locked On Heat in the meantime. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.